what we believe we believe. Why do I believe Jesus Christ to be the way, the truth, and the life? You want to be a Christian. You want to live the Christian life. But you've never learned how to live the Christian life. You're listening to Telios Talk, a podcast on being complete in Christ, hosted by Buzzsprout. Today we'll be talking about the essential nature of man. Are we three parts? Two parts? One? The nature of man has been described in every age, culture, and thought throughout history. Where do we stand in this historical diatribe as Christians? Please join us as we talk about all of this and more. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Tellius Talk, episode number two for the year 2021. So today we're talking about the essential nature of mankind or the essence of mankind, right? That's right. And um, for the most part, people sense that they have an immaterial part to their to their, their person. Um, we often refer to this as being our soul or our spirit. Um, and in the past episodes, we've talked about the nature of God and about the nature of Jesus. And so we thought it would be a foregone conclusion that we would move into uh, looking at the nature of man or the essential nature of mankind or humankind, if you want to be politically correct, um, sound inclusive. <laughs> so as we normally do, we're going to look at um, how the nature of man is, is described and perceived by uh, in ancient times, as well as throughout, you know, um, history and then coming into the modern day with uh, the theology of the essence of man, um, according to the Bible. Um, and it's a good place to start, actually, uh, a weird place to start would be a quote from uh, Frederick uh, Engels, who was uh, the co-writer and co-founder, well, co-writer of the Marxist Manifesto with uh, Karl Marx. And he said this about the essence of man. He said, the material world to which we belong and to which can be observed by our senses is the only reality. Matter is not a mental precept. Uh, on the contrary, the mind is merely the highest product of matter. And so what he was saying is that <clears throat> what you see is what you get. There's nothing else beside this life, this body, this mind. And that really who you see in the mirror is that's you. That is your essence. Yeah, it's, it's a very succinct humanistic definition or explanation of the essential nature of mankind. Now, this idea was coined existentialism after the philosophical teachings of John Paul Sartre in the 20th century. One of his popular quotes is this. Every existing thing is born without reason, prolongs itself out of weakness, and dies by chance. It's a happy thought, you know. We're yeah. just, we're, uh, we die by chance. We are born without reason. According to the Helmuth Bench, an evolutionary psychologist, mental evolution is regarded as the third type of evolution after chemical and organic evolution. He said... The mind also evolved. We can, so to speak, refer to a paleontology of the soul. So mm. then evolutionary ideology suggests that matter and mind are essentially indistinguishable. They only differ in their degree of complexity. If you study psychology at any level, you'll have heard of people like uh, John Watson or B.F. Skinner um, and their study of behavior and behaviorism. And um, or actually, um, there's a guy by the name of uh, L. Lorenz who had a, who has a theory of instinctivism. And all of these schools of psychology um, are based on a one-dimensional materialistic view of, of, 
of people, of mankind, which can be today regarded as completely obsolete. Um, the question is why? Why is it considered to be obsolete? Well, reason being is because they excluded uh, important aspects of the human nature, such as freedom and responsibility and destructivity. And they also try and uh, camouflage our problem with evil uh, using this type of language. Uh, and it's all intended to sully a part of our design, which points to a creator, uh, the first cause. We talked about that, too, in, the, in last year's episodes. Um, the one that we refer to as God with a capital G and not God with a little g. Go back and listen to that episode if you missed it, anybody. <laughs> um, so if you can manufacture an idea that makes God obsolete, then God becomes us. We become God. Um, and it's this self-determination uh, is part of mankind's nature too. this idea of being able to self-determine what you are going to do in life and how you're going to live. And that, again, was brought on by this riddance of God and also as a way of allowing disobedience to occur. Okay. So it gives permission to be disobedient because you take away God. So over the years, however, a few psychologists have gotten close to this idea of the essential nature of mankind and they include the spiritual portion Sigmund Freud developed ideas of, of a transcendental portion of the mind or an independent structure having its own laws and rules. But this shouldn't really come as a surprise. His discovery was never new, and it can be traced back to re religious ideologies in all cultures of the world. Transcendence or otherworldliness and a spiritual awakening can be found in cultures dating back thousands of years in Mesopotamia, Egypt, Greece, Rome, China, and even India. Yeah. Uh, priests and shamans have ingested plants for millennia to induce states of um, like a dissociative trance yep. where they can see and walk in the spiritual realm. Yeah. And you know what's really interesting about that? Like we talk about it like it's an ancient thing, like, you know, back in the day. But in actual fact, this type of psychological experience is now so popular that you can book a trip to Peru um, to take part in a retreat in a place where they have shamans that will and spirit guides that will help you through. And the whole point is you pay to, and I'm going to quote here, you pay to uncover the energetic roots of any trauma, negative thought patterns, unhealthy habits, or spiritual imbalance. By the way, you can sum most of those things up by sin, S-I-N. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, you know, and the other thing is you pay to facilitate this healing experience. And so participants uh, or the tourists, because it really is tourism, um, they're given a variety of uh, what they call sacred plant medicines. Um, for example, like uh, the Sonorian uh, desert toad. Okay. It's a toad and they make it into a potion. They give it to you. And this, this chemical is so extremely powerful and potent. Uh, it contains a substance called a uh, five Neo DMT, which is known by people who do these psychedelic tourism trip things. Um, it's known as the God or the spirit molecule. And it's interesting because if you read before you book these trips or before you book whatever, um, whatever uh, method you want to use, um, it'll give you a description. So, for example, for the toad medicine, it'll say that this short but profound ceremony up to an hour long offers an intense and concentrated and deeply mystical experience comparable to Hindu experiences of moksha or Buddhist experience of uh, shamada or nirvana, basically going into a spiritual realm, Nirvana, all these places are spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so right there, you have the search. We still have this search for contact or understanding of what's on the other side. So this is an understanding that there isn't just this. There's more to us than what we think. Um, and by the way, do you know how much the toad treatment will cost you if you decide to go down? No, and, and it was funny because when I first read, uh, read what you were going to be talking about, I, th I was thinking about someone licking a toad. <laughs> I don't think I would pay anybody to lick a frog. But. Well, there are actually, um, there's lizards that they have in India where people will cut the tail off and suck on the tail because it apparently gives some type of uh, psycholo uh, psychological change. But no, you can pay um, $250 US um, to purchase, you know, this trip. Um, yeah, so it's not cheap. And so it just goes to show that, you know, what the Egyptians and the, and the Syrians and the, uh, you know, the Sumerians were doing way back thousands of years ago, we're still mm -hmm. doing it today. It's just done under the name of tourism and, uh, you know, spiritualism. So the separation of body and spirit has been pursued through this use of drugs. Self-harm, uh, meditation, near-death experiences in ancient rituals. And like you mentioned, it's still practiced today. However, there's a warning. In all these attempts to reach to or experience the spiritual side of nature of man, we face a destruction to the worshiper in each situation. Absolutely. Even the recreational abuse of substances could be argued to be a low-level attempt to escape into something outside of ourselves. Aside from the obvious personal, psychological, and medical issues caused by the abuse of substances, there can be a tenuous line drawn between addiction and a person's spirit. Leon Holtzhausen of the Department of Social Development at the University of Cape Town, South Africa, has said this. In a very real sense, drugs do not bring about addiction. Rather, the individual abuses or becomes addicted to drugs because of what he or she believes they will gain from it. The question is whether addictions are a brain disorder as suggested by the disease model or a disease of the human spirit as proposed by the spiritual model of addiction. Mm -hmm. I found this as well. I found this interesting. There's a gentleman named Rupert Spira, who is an English teacher of Hinduism, Buddhism, and other Neoplatonic systems. And he has said, happiness is the nature of ourselves. But more often than not, this pursuit of happiness only hastens our unnatural or premature end. AKA death. There you go. <laughs> Let's just not beat around the bush. Let's call it sin and death and yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Um, what I think is interesting about the pessimistic thinking of existentialists, uh, in contrast, say, to the optimistic view of humanists, is that existentialism, uh, that's outside of yourself, right, external, mm -hmm. uh, looks at mankind as being uh, a useless passion, uh, whereas humanism, okay, which still focuses on the inside, looks at man as being uh, the object or the focus of passion. Mm -hmm. And even... Um, um, David Lee Schultz, who has a podcast called The Ragamuffin Podcast, which is considered to be a progressive Christian uh, ministry, you could say liberal, um, he has uh, posted a 23-point manifesto uh, in an attempt to downplay the nature of man, because you see, in progressive Christianity, they deny the basic biblical doctrine of God, which we've already discussed. Yeah. So within this set of arguments uh, regarding the partial nature of man, man's mortality uh, sorry, man's mortal self is not conditional on his spiritual nature, yeah. which we know is not true. Uh, in other words, just because the spiritual nature of man is bound to a spiritual law, the moral nature of man is not. And basically, this allows the progressive Christian or the liberal thinker um, to ignore or rewrite um, the laws of God and therefore allows them to pursue their humanistic passions. 
a.k.a. Sin. There are three views on the nature of men, two of which find footing in biblical studies. These are called trichotomy, dichotomy, and monism. Trichotomy is a belief that man is made up of three distinct parts, the body, the soul, and the spirit. The spirit is a higher faculty, which is made alive when a person becomes a Christian. The scripture used to support this view is Romans 8, verses 10, where it says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Yeah, and dichotomy is the belief that man is essentially two parts to the body. Body and soul. And in this view, the soul is also referred to as the spirit, uh, but both are understood to be of the same essence. So, And we'll talk about this a little bit later. Lastly, the idea of monism, which I actually struggled to say the other day. I was like, is it mama? Mama. <laughs> monism, which this view actually completely contradicts the biblical view, uh, worldview of man. Yeah. And essentially, monism uh, says that there's the mind and there's the body. Each have different interactions and reactions and that the world with the world around it, um, but they're of the same substance, right? Body, mm -hmm. mind. It's all physical. Um, so this denies the spiritual aspect, which then, of course, denies the first cause, which then, of course, denies God. So although monism is a Western philosophy, its foundation is actually built on what they would consider to be modern Hinduism. Yeah. Um, and in this view, the self can be God because we come from nothing. And therefore, we have no higher self. Mm -hmm. And when we die, we vanish into nothing. Right. Yeah. Um and so it's not surprising that, that, that thinking, Marxist thinking and um, atheism, especially new atheism, uh, which in itself is not new, um, have both latched on to this idea of the body and the mind just being simply existing and then not existing. Mm -hmm. um, and both Karl Marx and Bertrand Russell, who actually has a really interesting book out there called Why I'm Not a Christian, um, they were both very uh, prominent advocates, advocates of monism. Consider the following quote from Jean-Paul Sartre. He was free, free in every way, free to behave like a fool or a machine, free to accept, free to refuse, free to equivocate, to marry, to give up the game, to drag this dead weight around with him for years to come. He could do what he liked. No one had the right to advise him. There would be for him no good or evil unless he thought them into being. So to think that Everything we do is useless, futile, or a vanity should become a disturbing thought that affects our brains, which a desire for logical meaning. And can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. Uh, when we were writing this, and I read that before, that line, that paragraph, uh, or that thought of, you know, to think of everything as useless, futile, and vanity, it reminds me of King Solomon's book, uh, you know, Ecclesiastes, where it starts off by saying, you know, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. In other words, saying, it's, there's nothing, there's no point. It's yeah. just we're vapors. We come, we go. And that's kind of where Solomon's book in Ecclesiastes starts. Yeah. So I would actually recommend that people read the book of Ecclesiastes if you're thinking about, if you want to follow up on this idea of the essential nature of man, because Solomon was one of the wisest men that ever lived. And why wouldn't you read a book by one of the wisest men in the world who talks about this stuff, right? Yeah. If good and evil are defined by the observer, then the construct of those two notions is false. So if you view something as evil, which I call good, then no amount of discussion will satisfy our differences. Good and evil are dependent on a definition based outside of yourself. 
And that one thing that they now call this idea of what you're inside is good is not necessarily good to me, blah, blah, blah. Um, having your own opinion. It's called postmodernism, mm-hmm. you know, where there is no, there is no actual truth. Truth yeah. is what you decide truth will be for you. Yeah, as soon as you hear somebody say, well, that might be your truth, but it's not my truth, they're ignoring truth. Exactly. They just want to make whatever they're doing right so they have an excuse and they don't need to be responsible for it. Exactly. And you know what? A really good example of that was when Christ was being um, interviewed by or examined by Pilate and Jesus talked about truth and Pilate said, what is truth? Yeah. Right? I mean, classic Roman statement. What is truth? Because they were always trying to find truth. And they were very, very um, humanistic in their lifestyles, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it kind of makes sense. Um, so after monoism, we have it leaves us with trichotomy and dichotomy as potential uh, biblical views of man. Uh, and the idea behind the trichotomy or three uh, natures of man is um, more closely in line with what I, I was taught at church as a kid. Sure. Yeah. Well, that we're made up of a body, mind, and a soul. And that our body is the temporary vehicle that is replaced by a new model after we die, right? So this yeah. body is just what gets us through life. And when we die, we get a new body. Um, our minds are who we are. You know, this is um, our essence, so to speak, is up here. Mm-hmm. And our souls is the spiritual part. And that's the part that connects with God. And that's the part that everybody's trying to figure out. Sure. You know, yeah. Whether you're religious or a-religious, everybody's searching for that connection. So, yeah, trichotomy is three. It's body, mind, and soul. And I remember reading a couple of books in the 90s. I think I was right at the end of high school, written by a woman who called herself Dr. Rebecca Brown. And they dealt with a number of things, spiritualism and all that. But she talked about the nature of men, and her description went a long ways to helping me see the basic idea, which is supported by the trichotomy view. Mm. Unfortunately, a bulk of her writings are very disturbing, and they fall short of the mark when it comes to solid theology. So even though they... Some of her ideas are good. Some of her ideas are, for lack of a better term, they're a little wackadoodle. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it made me kind of raise an eyebrow when you mentioned her name. Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah. really? You're talking about her? But I see <laughs> your point. Yeah. We find support for trichotomy in verses like 1 Thessalonians 5.23, which says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete, without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've heard that at the end of sermons, you know, when, when they're dismissing people from, from the service. Another one is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That kind of brings us into that dichotomy way of thinking, because more often than not, the Bible actually speaks of the soul and the spirit as being one part they're just they're one entity as it were Mm -hmm. and if you look into some of the context of the hebrew uh, 4 and 12 verse that you just read there's actually three different examples of things that are not really divisible sure soul and spirit uh joint and marrow and thoughts and intentions Mm -hmm. and the world has always been very interested in this idea of man having two essential parts to his being uh you know a body and a spirit or a soul as we've already uh kind of defined and in fact dichotomy you're like oh no here goes murphy on a rant <laughs> dichotomy is what influences pretty much the whole of the uh, genre and supernatural genres of movies and literature and by literature i mean movie i mean um books and magazines uh the art world 
my goodness, if you look at some of the art of William Blake, it's very obvious in there. Um, and there's actually university departments that are dedicated or they have sub departments that are dedicated to the study of the other part of man that, you know, the spiritual part. In fact, um, in the University of Virginia, they have a division for perceptual studies. According to uh, Dr. Grayson, who is a, a member of that, that faculty, the point of the, the division is to study the possibility that something about humans may survive bodily death. <gasps> wow, what a unique thought. <laughs> may I just remind you of Genesis chapter 1? <laughs> um, you know, and in the 1960s and 70s, this is actually kind of interesting. So in the 1960s and 70s, the, the art or the use of artificial resuscitation became very prominent in medicine for life-saving. And the number of people um, that were brought back from the brinks of death also increased, obviously. And with that increase in people being brought back from the brink of death, there was also an increase in people having what they call near-death experiences or NED or NDE. And these people would often describe very similar blissful experiences, I'm quoting here. And many would share the similar descriptions of, you know, leaving their bodies, floating above their bodies, seeing themselves, whether it be on the operating table or in the bedroom, then they would usually report, you know, seeing a doorway, a tunnel, a portal with, you know, something behind it. And they move through that. And almost every time people would uh, describe uh, entering into this light, this bright light, which was considered to be warm and loving and accepting. And of course, the other side of the coin is, um, you know, if you don't have the blissful experience and the, 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 uh, the near death experiences that don't tend to get a lot of you know, national study or news is the ones where, you know, I went to hell for five seconds and I don't ever want to go back. You know, yeah. uh, if you go into YouTube, there's lots of these people that, you know, have videos of I went to hell and for five minutes. And, but you know what, aside from the horror genre, there's no money to be made in making movies about the reality of going to hell. People yeah. would prefer to have the reality of going to heaven and that blissful accepting light sure. that everybody wants. So as you said before, dichotomy is this belief that man is essentially two parts, the body and the mind and the soul and the spirit. And like I said, even in secular society, in, in, in the, the movie industries and stuff, dichotomy is probably more popular and more accepted than trichotomy. Wayne uh, Grudmer said that no argument for trichotomy provides conclusive evidence to overcome the scriptural usage of soul and spirit. So this dichotomy idea of soul and spirit, body and soul, is very much accepted both in religion and it also in non-religious secular society. That's right. In 1 Corinthians 14, verses 14 to 15, we read this. For I pray, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. So what's being said here is there's a nature of man described with two distinct parts. Yeah. We go back a little further into Psalms. Uh, chapter 103, verse 1, we read, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And in this verse, David here is connecting his soul to be with everything that is in him. So he's he's connecting, I have a soul part, and yep. I have a body part. Yep. And they bless God as one piece. You know, they're yep. two separate parts doing one job. Yeah. And then in Acts 14, verse 8, we read about Paul and Barnabas preaching in Lystra. And through the Holy Spirit, Paul heals men. When you read the verse, it says, Paul was preaching and he saw a man. And yeah. uh, he was he was almost guided toward this man through the Holy Spirit. The man who had been lame since birth 
was healed by Paul, and the people of that city became riled up, and they declared Paul and Barnabas to be gods. Yeah. In a reaction to this, Paul says this, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you. Yeah. We preach a gospel to you that you should turn aside from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's within them. So Paul is reinforcing the fact that he and Barnabas were mortal. They were body yeah. and spirit. They were not just spirit alone yeah you know for the most part we could stop right there and feel that you know we've explored the essential nature of man um because we've looked at you know monism and dichotomy and dichotomy yeah but we can't because there's one more thing that has to be mentioned if we're going to actually address this topic properly sure. and from a biblical point of view so we all know the famous verse john three sixteen, you know that um, jesus gave to nicodemus when he met when nicodemus met him at nighttime and one of the things that, that Jesus said to Nicodemus was, you know, Nicodemus said, well, how do, how do I inter inherit eternal life? How do I get to heaven? And Jesus says, you know, uh, you must be born again. Yeah. And you can imagine a learned man like, like Nicodemus. Well, he says, how can a man be born again? Like he even yeah. asked the question, how can I, I can't go back inside my mother's womb and, and go through the process again yeah. because he totally missed the mark. And this yeah. is a teacher of Jewish religion where the Jews actually did have that belief of body and soul. Yeah. I'm sure what Nicodemus was thinking was what an absolutely absurd idea. You yeah. Know? But it, what, what Jesus is saying here is that although Nicodemus was a smart man and he was in full use of his body and mind, his spirit was dead. Yeah. You know, so in John 10 verse 10, when Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and have more abundantly. He isn't talking about a simple augmentation of our earthly existence. What he's talking about instead of is a spiritual awakening, a light in the darkness and sight to our spiritual blindness. And there are people who think of themselves as Christians, but their spirit is dead. And they tout the goodness of man as some sort of a holiness indicator that, you know, yeah. but they're still dead. Right? Yeah. Just like Nicodemus, just like the Pharisees in Jesus' day. That's why he says you must be born again. It seems that we think of being born again as having something given to us or added to us. But in fact, being born again means having our spirit renewed. We yeah. are spiritually changed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Second Corinthians, actually, Paul in his letter, second letter, well, actually, it was the third letter uh, to the Corinthians, said, uh, said that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Mm -hmm. And again, that comes right back down to that renewing of the spirit. When you look at the word repentance, the word repentance or repent actually means to turn away. It means to do a complete 180. It's a change, right? Yeah. Um, same with regeneration. Okay, when something is regenerated, it is created new. Yeah. And that's essentially what Paul confirms in what Jesus has said is that, you know, I'm going to give, in fact, there's many references of receiving a new body and a new, you know, a new body that fits the new spirit that course, we yeah. have in Christ, right? We don't get a new body and a new spirit. This new spirit comes when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we say, you know what? Without Christ, I'm dead. Mm -hmm. But with Christ, like Paul said, you know, I'm alive. I'm a new creation. That new creation then follows us through. So when we do die, that new spirit of Christ, then we receive that new body of Christ. Because Paul says, you know, when we die or when he comes back again, we will be like him. Mm -hmm. We are taught in scripture that our heart is wicked and we are born into sin. Yeah. It's that sin that separates us from God. 
but he has made a way to draw us to him. There's a bridge that crosses the chasm of separation. There's a renewed right spirit in us, like we would read in Psalms 51 verse 10. The essential nature of man is like one of a caterpillar. We would fly, yeah. but only if we were transformed. Yeah. Is that our spirit would be brought to life. And for that to happen, we must be born again. Yeah. And, you know, that's a really good example, sorry, of using a caterpillar to the butterfly process as an idea. Because essentially it's the same thing, mm -hmm. right? But it gets a new body. But it also mm -hmm. kind of comes out with a new spirit in the sense that, like, it has to go into the cocoon and basically die. And yeah. then well, the other side changed and everything about that caterpillar is changed. What it eats, yeah. what it drinks, what it thinks about the fact that it can fly. And it's funny because we think caterpillars are ugly and destructive. And yet we love butterflies because yeah. one thing with two essences. Yeah. Dr. John MacArthur said this, a no repenting gospel, a no holiness gospel, a no submission gospel, a no transforming gospel is the devil's lie to keep false security to give false security to damned people for the protection of the church from the false teaching of the agents of Satan. The new Testament is crystal clear on how you can determine whether someone is a believer or not. True Christians are transformed people and their new life is very different from their former life. So just as a last thought before we pray, I was listening to the sermon on Sunday. The pastor was talking about this idea of the, of man's spirit. And yeah. so one of the things we need to remember is that, our spirit is essentially dead in that God created us with a body and a spirit so that we would come back into communion with him, that we would be reunited with him, that our spirit and his spirit would come to the way that we were created. And people will try very often to artificially have this spiritual connection with God, but they can't do it. Yeah. That spirit needs to be brought back to life through a power that is outside of ourselves. Yeah. Which means that we need to have a faith in God. We have to have a trust in God and we have to give up to God because it's not of us, right? It's not that we have, that we can do something to make that regeneration happen. Yeah. Right. That regeneration has to happen through God. Yeah, it has to. Yeah. yeah. And I just hope that everybody, again, that when people listen to these the podcasts, you know, go away and, and look this stuff up for yourself. Go and have a read. Read about yeah. the story of Nicodemus. Read about um, about what the Old Testament, what David has to say about his body and his soul. Uh, Psalm 51.10, like you said, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a righteous spirit within me. Creating me a clean heart, create a righteous spirit. Sure. Two go hand in hand because your spirit will indicate what your, your heart's going to go and your heart's going to indicate what your spirit's doing. And if that spirit is a spirit of this world and not the spirit of Christ, then your your heart is going to seek after things that are of this world and not of the next world of Christ. Yeah. So have a look at it and see what you know, see what you think. See if we're right. And if you feel that you know there's something that maybe we missed, let us know. We're always happy to get feedback. Sure. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for your son. Thank you for the price that he paid for his sacrifice. We also thank you that you give us this opportunity to make our spirit right, to renew our connection to you, to bring something that is dead back to life. That the intention of your creation, the design of your creation, who we are made in your image 
is to be complete. Father God, we pray that during the time that we are reading through the Bible and questioning ourselves, there would be a light brought to our eyes that we would see and that we would understand the perfect plan of the essence of man. Father God, go with us over this next month. Bless us. Keep us always searching in Scripture and teach us through the everyday things that happen to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So what is next month's episode, Wendell? Holy Spirit, right? Yep. Holy Spirit, part one. We're going to have a look at the Holy Spirit. Super controversial subject, depending on what uh, what side of the line you stand on. <laughs> so are we doing like Billy Graham, Holy Spirit, or are we doing Francis Chan un or Forgotten God? No, I think we maybe go with the old Benny Hinn. Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Playing no, no, in the no. spirit. <laughs> I, love it. I love it when they come back. Go, boom. Hello. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to visit our Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube sites. We're always happy to visit and answer questions. Our Facebook page has discussions, articles, and links to the topics we discuss monthly. Keep us in your prayers as we prepare our podcast every month. Next month, we will be starting part one on the Holy Spirit. Please join us. Do we believe what we believe we believe? <laughs>